0: Conservation for Kids, the conservation podcast for kids and families, where we explore cool animals and environments, from the deepest ocean to the tallest mountain. I'm your host, Samuel Morris. Thank you so much for joining us today. Last week, we talked about green buildings with Nick Ramirez. In this episode, we will be talking about invasive species with Dr. Dorothy Boris from Gordon College in the United States. But before we get into the interview, I'd like to introduce our mystery sound. As we often say on this podcast, conservation is serious, but it can also be lots of fun. And what's more fun than a guessing game? Each week here at Conservation for Kids, you and your family will have the opportunity to guess our mystery animal sound. Before the interview, you'll get your first chance to guess what this week's mystery animal is. After the interview, we'll play it one more time and you'll have a final chance to guess, then we'll reveal it, and share some information so you and your family can learn more. Here it is. Can you guess what today's mystery animal is? Feel free to hit pause and talk to your family about what you think it is. Now we're going to talk to today's guest. Dr. Dorothy Borse. Dr. Borse joined Gordon College in 1999 after receiving her Ph.D. in oceanography and limnology. Her primary research interests are in aquatic community, ecology, and invasive species. She also spends a great deal of time studying the integration of faith and science, particularly in the realm of environmental ethics. Today, we'll be speaking with Dr. Bors about invasive species, and in a few weeks, we'll have a follow-up conversation about her work focused on climate change. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Bors.
1: Thank you. It's my pleasure to be on.
0: Before we start off, this is the Conservation Podcast. Can you tell us about the environment where you live?
1: I live in Massachusetts in the United States, Um, so... I'm located in the northeastern part of the country in New England and where I am is very is coastal so it's a pretty temperate climate and it's dominated by deciduous mixed deciduous forest with some evergreens and there there would be deer there's turkeys I mean if you're talking wild animals it would be turkeys and deer and uh raccoons and squirrels and that kind of thing how did you first become interested in science and conservation well, i've just always loved living things i was uh, when i was a kid i was always outdoors always watching every kind of little creature you could my dad was a high school and junior college um uh science teacher and he and I would be outside a lot, and and I just always enjoyed that. Could you explain what invasive species actually is? Okay, usually we talk about uh, introduced invasive species because you can have something that is hard to control, but is native to an area. But typically organisms that are from a particular area have around them other organisms that limit them like predators or parasites and when they get moved to a new place some species just are go out of control they grow and they outcompete all the native species and sometimes they eat them a lot um i know that rabbits in australia are famous for this yes Um, the cane toads are um in in other parts of Australia. So I, I was reading a good deal about invasive species in Australia, you've got quite a number. What are the negative effects that invasive species can have on new environments? Well, quite a range. The most obvious ones are when they vector a disease. So in crops, a lot of crop diseases are carried, by invasive species of beetles or um, other insects. Other invasive species directly uh, prey on species of conservation concern. So um, you have a lot, and, and we do too in America, of uh, feral cats, and feral cats are just known for killing a lot of wild birds in particular.
0: How do scientists and researchers help minimize the effects of invasive species?
1: Well, sometimes what scientists do is just monitor them so that you can tell when something comes into the country. And in the United States, we have uh, groups that track when things look like that they're invading. And because of that, we've been able to sometimes... Uh, quarantine an area and get rid of something like the Mediterranean fruit flies. When we've done that a number of times. Um, If you don't pay attention to, to where they're spreading, then of course you can't um, solve anything. But one of the biggest things that anybody can do and scientists work on is biosecurity. And that usually is trying to prevent invasive species from coming into an area um i don't know if you have ever had to do this but if you travel sometimes when you come back into um an airport they'll ask if you were on a farm have you ever yeah. experienced that yeah and that's usually because they don't want the spread of, of invasive species around um because they're very 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 expensive to try and control and because they have a lot of conservation damage Wow, how fascinating how can kids and families
0: help to get rid of invasive species
1: i think some of the biggest things that you can do are to read up on it so i did a little bit of looking um and and the government of australia in different uh, areas has uh, produced documents and they they list invasive species and then you I'm certain in Sydney must have a conservation groups and there's probably volunteer days for example around here we would have a volunteer day and you might go out and and pull out invasive plants or or some other kind of activity that you do to help with the environment my guess is that there's um a number of of non Nonprofit groups that do that where you are. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dr. Boris
0: about invasive species. I'm looking forward to our follow up conversation about climate change in a few weeks' time. We are now going to listen to our mystery sound one more time. This is your final chance to guess. Lock in that answer. Some of you may have guessed a bird, which is close, because it often gets mistaken for one. But that was a red panda. That's right. This week's animal sound was a red panda. Last week, on September 17th, it was International Red Panda Day. Red pandas are an extremely endangered species. It is estimated that there are less than 10,000 red pandas left, and as few as 2,500 red pandas remaining in the wild. The red panda is an elusive and mysterious mammal, native to the Himalayan forests. The red panda has had many nicknames. They have been called the fire fox, the lesser panda, and the red cat bear. The red panda was the first and original panda. A scientist described it 50 years before the giant panda, an adult red panda is slightly larger than a house cat red pandas are mostly solitary but come together in pairs in the breeding season red pandas are active in the early morning and late afternoon spending most of the day resting in trees a special thank you to today's guest dr Borst from gordon college in the united states if you're interested in learning more about how science can help eradicate invasive species Tune in next time for a conversation with Dr. Pask from the University of Melbourne about de-extinction. He shares with us how science could help to control the cane toad population here in Australia. I'm your host, Sammy Morris, and you've been listening to Conservation for Kids. Conservation for Kids was inspired by a project from my school, St. Paul's Grammar School in Sydney, Australia. I'd like to thank the Year 6 teachers, Mrs. Watson and Ms. Cullen, and our mentor, Ms. Bodine, for their support. Fact-checking services are provided by Melanie Morris and our executive producer is Peter Morris. I'm your host, Samuel Morris.